as we practice, we get pretty familiar with what's happening in our experience. For some of us, the practice is broad and open. And we get familiar with the flow of experience, body sensations, sounds, sometimes sights, emotions and thoughts. For some of us, the practice is stabilizing the attention on a particular object of meditation, the breath or whatever you use as a primary meditation object. You get familiar with the various sensations, the flow of experience in that object. And this is a large part of learning what it means to be present. Of exploring just this changing flow of what is happening moment to moment. And there's also another aspect of our experience that's sometimes overlooked. And that is our relationship to our experience. How we are with our experience. So there's what's happening and how our mind is with that. Sometimes this relationship with experience can be hidden from us. It's just the field that we're swimming in, that relationship. And it may not be directly recognized as being this field. We bring agendas, we bring attitudes, we bring beliefs to our experience, and sometimes those are not recognized. And in our practice, it's really helpful to begin to explore this relationship because this place of how we are with experience is largely where our dukkha is created. These unseen attitudes, agendas, beliefs influence how we are with experience. And when they are unseen, we end up acting out of them they end up motivating our practice. A simple example, I know you're all familiar with the 
sense of having pain in the body and perhaps applying the meditation, kind of diving into the experience of pain with the agenda to make the pain go away. This is just a a simple example. There are so many different agendas, beliefs, attitudes that we can have about our experience. Many flavors of that. And yet they fall into four basic categories. There's the attitude of greed, of wanting something to happen trying to make something, trying to create something. There's the attitude of aversion, wanting to get rid of something, wanting something to go away. There's the attitude of delusion, of confusion, of unclarity, of not seeing a particular perspective that we're bringing to experience. And then there is the relationship of balance of mind, of ease with experience. It's really helpful in our practice to begin to recognize if any of these hidden agendas, attitudes are functioning. And it can be very simple in recognizing this or exploring this, just kind of from time to time checking in. And what's my relationship to experience? What's my attitude as Sayadaw Utejaniya teaches it? It might be as simple as just the kind of, hmm, is something else here? Not, in a, not asking the question in a words, but just you know, opening up. And is there something else that I haven't quite seen? And this practice of and checking the attitude is kind of like that scene in The Wizard of Oz where they're watching the dramatic show of the wizard and then Toto goes over and pulls a curtain and there's this small man manipulating the lovers. When unseen, those attitudes can really impact our experience. But the simplicity of even just simply recognizing that they're happening can be quite powerful. This morning as I got up and saw the two feet of snow outside my door, there was some resistance to coming over here. A little bit of, you know, happily having my cup of tea (laughs) and um, you know the idea of getting out there and having to shovel my way over here 
um, the attitude of resistance was, was present. And so I noticed that. I noticed the resistance. And the interesting thing about that initially, I mean, so I recognized the resistance. And initially, the kind of surprising piece was that I recognized there was some belief in that resistance in a way. And so this was an attitude about the resistance. There was the belief either that I, you know, should give in to that resistance or that I had to make the resistance go away in order to get over here. So there's a subtle, very quiet belief in the mind that something had to happen to that resistance. Either, either the mind needed to follow it or it needed to go away. When that was seen, when that belief was seen, there was the symbol of recognition that I can shovel snow and resistance can be present. So this seeing of the attitude may not make the attitude disappear, but it helps take the, the lever manipulation out of it. It helps take the, the mind's belief in it. It becomes simply a phenomenon. Oh, resistance is happening. Resistance can be present, and I can shovel snow. I don't have to want to do something in order to do it. And then about five minutes later, I heard somebody else shoveling the snow for me. So this checking of our relationship with experience a very powerful way to find hidden craving, hidden clinging, hidden perspectives on our experience. And then just allowing that to be part of what is in the field. Essentially, in that example around the resistance, when I recognized, oh, resistance can be present. Yeah, I don't have to like this or, you know, like this thought in the mind for it to be present. When that was recognized, there was a kind of a, whoo, you know, the not liking of that idea of having to get out there and shovel didn't go away. But there wasn't a problem about the not liking. And so essentially the mind became balanced, recognizing, yeah, not liking is here. Okay, that's not a problem. I can choose how to engage now that I recognize this not liking, this resistance. So while this checking of our relationship with experience can be quite a powerful tool, I also find it is one to employ lightly and and not to pick it up as something to do every few seconds. 
In my own practice, I've found there are particularly helpful times to check this relationship with experience. If there's any sense of struggle in your practice, if it feels hard to practice, if it feels like there's a sense of not wanting to practice, it feels like you're pushing or it's hard to be with experience, some kind of struggle, check that relationship. See if there's something kind of behind the struggle. And you may not find anything, and that's okay. You don't have to dig. And this isn't a thinking about either. It's not a thinking about, well, what's happening? And, well, this is kind of like that situation. And when that was happening, I was really frustrated. So maybe frustration is happening. It's not like that. It's more just checking in. And what else is here now? Is there something present that I might not have seen. It's kind of just opening to that possibility. So it's checking into the present moment. It's not thinking about what's happening. So when there's struggle, that's a good time to check this relationship. When you wake up into recognizing that you've not been present. That moment I was talking about last night, the moment of remembering mindfulness. That's also a time that can be helpful to check the relationship to experience. Aside from the kind of obvious relationship that often comes with that moment of judgment I shouldn't have been thinking. Even if that judgment is not there, the thinking itself, the way the mind had wandered, as I had talked about last night, what the mind had wandered into, perhaps it wandered into thinking about something that happened at home and uh, a situation, kind of an emotionally charged situation, was what your mind had wandered into that memory, that wandering, can construct emotions. And if our agenda in waking up is simply, oh, come back to the breath, we may miss that there is a kind of a, perhaps a frustration that has been born in the mind. And unwittingly, that frustration may then be applied to the way we're looking at the breath. So checking into the relationship, the, the relationship when we wake up into thought. Another interesting relationship that can happen when we wake up into thought that we can sometimes miss is that sometimes when the mind wanders, it's actually a manifestation of the mind letting go of an over-efforting or a holding to experience. So the uh, mind may 
have actually softened or released in that wandering. Sometimes it's almost like the wandering mind is a a signal. You're trying too hard. Release a little bit. And I found that when I wake up into that wandering mind, that kind of wandering mind, there's actually having have been a settling that's happened. So this may be a relationship of more ease, of more balance, that's actually present after the mind has wandered. And we can overlook that. So checking into that relationship when we re- wake up into the wandering. So checking our relationship with experience when something's difficult, when we wake up into the wandering mind. A third time that's helpful is when it feels like the practice is going really well. Checking into our relationship with the experience when the practice feels so smooth, so clear. Sometimes that relationship can be kind of obvious, the oh, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. A little bit of that sense of, I'm doing it right, I finally figured it out. Sometimes that relationship might be a little more subtle, like trying to make a state continue, or just leaning in a little bit kind of in the terrain of interest and curiosity, but a little bit of greed around that interest and curiosity. Again, this tool of checking into our relationship can begin to reveal some very, very subtle ways in which our mind is holding or pushing away, which supports us in this practice of letting go of clinging. 